God's grace, God's mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is our lesson. What's the scariest movie you have ever seen? I know in the first service, somebody else agreed with me on my scariest movie. For me, and I really don't like scary movies, a scary movie is a movie that reveals how things could be, how things could go terribly wrong if something cataclysmic happens, if humanity doesn't wake up to a situation. The scariest movie I've seen over the past decades is about a little robot on a devastated earth. Each day he goes up and picks up garbage, compacts it into little cubes, and stacks it up. And at the end of the day, he builds another tower of garbage. And the earth looks like a city of garbage stacked up around it. Now, the earth is devoid of life, and there's only garbage to be found. Where are the people? Well, the people are in a spaceship in space where they live, no longer able to walk because of their obesity, being taken from place to place in big, comfy chairs, from one experience, one entertainment to another, and on each of the big armchairs is the supersized big gulp. It seems they will wait until the robots clean up the planet again and find that it can sustain life again. But you have to watch the rest of it. Wally. Wally. Climate change, global warming, containers of plastics being hidden in third world countries, oceans rising, garbage growing, people panicking, politicians promising, making a lot of noise, but little action. What? to do about the situation, how to look at this, especially those of us who know the true creator and the power of Jesus to not only save us from our sins, but enable us to be reconciled not just to each other, not just to God, which is our primary task, but also now with a growing sense of urgency, using that power to become reconciled to the very world in which we live and find ourselves in conflict with. These thoughts are not new to me. Many years ago as I was a teacher, I found that I spoke a lot about environment. What is our responsibility, especially as Christians, towards this world as it is? Christians sometimes kind of feel a bit aloof from such things. After all, environment, those are things of this world. They will all pass away. But do we have a responsibility to this creation, especially as the children of God? When my girls were away at school in the States many years ago, they came home and they challenged me with a question. Dad? We were upset with some of our Christian friends who mocked us for recycling, 
mocked us for not littering, and who kind of laughed at us for being so concerned about the state of things in the environment. My girls have been raised here in Edmonton, and their attitude made me proud. But I turned back to them and said, how can they think that way, I asked. And they responded, well, their answer is that since Jesus is Lord, and on the last day he's coming again, we don't have to worry. He will come and make a new heavens, a new earth. So why worry about things like pollution and garbage? Of a lot of disturbing things I have heard from the lips of Christians, that was really on the list of the top five. For to me, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, who shed his blood for the sins of the world, deserves much more, especially from his children, than to be treated like a overworked mother who comes in and cleans up the bedroom of her unloving children who leave a mess and treat her like that. Jesus is not just some housemaid to come and clean up our mess. I think the scriptures tell us that God is our father, yes, but he wants something more than overweight people flowing amidst the self-indulgence waiting for him to come and clean up our mess on our planet. Now, first things first. Should we as Christians be concerned about the environment and should we work to improve things? At the heart of the answer is to remember who we are, who created us, and how did he create us and for what purpose? What was his intent for us to live in relationship to other creatures and to the planet itself? Again, we turn back to where we always go, Genesis chapter 1. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he said to humanity, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over them. And then there's the whole list. Another translation has have dominion, rulership, duty, honor. God creates man first and foremost to be his servant, a gardener, a steward, to take care of something that was not man's, but God's. And yet, by the mercy of God, as this gardener carried out his task, he would benefit so much from the bounty and the blessings of the earth, as we will remember next week at Thanksgiving. Now, a gardener is someone who sees the desire to bring out the very best in the area. How many gardeners here would say, I'm going to set out and grow weeds? No, you want to bring out the best, the best flowers. You want to make it better than you found it, don't you? And who benefits? Everyone does. Your neighbors, the people around you. And if you're a good gardener, you get a lot of good stuff from it too. God made us that way. A gardener does not seek to exploit, to waste, or destroy creation or all that is in it, but to use them in the service of God and man. The psalmist understood that when he said, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Now, we know the reality is this is not how it's working. Another way to look at the fall is that when humanity looks at creation and uses it only selfishly, 
indecently and wastefully simply for humanity's own selfish and narrow needs and good, you know what? Humanity finds itself in rebellion, not just against God, but in conflict with creation. Genesis chapter 3, if we read it as an environmentalist, is a good description of creation. It's in conflict with humanity when humanity rejects their place before God. The word enmity comes up in chapter 3. Enmity. Enmity between men and women. Enmity between God and man. Man and creation itself. Sin. Seems very simplistic, doesn't it? But surely it describes the mess we are in. We talk a lot about the fact that it is humanity's problem that the environment is the way it is, and that's true. I find it ironic, though, that at the same time so many people reject God, deny sin, denied for healing of the human soul, deny for humans to confess, so that by absolution we can go forward. We try, but the God of technology, the God of science, is to where they turn to think we fix things. Laws, taxes, technology, other human actions may help a bit, but the essential problem with all creation is that humanity is in rebellion against its creator and Lord. And not only do we suffer, but creation suffers. And that bothers us. God the creator, man in rebellion, sounds like a familiar theme when it comes to sermons on a Sunday morning. And it's true. Like watching the present election, it's clear that many people are still taking a chance to attack those who raise the issues of life and the environment in obedience to God. So where is the answer to be found? Scriptures are filled with times, perhaps not as serious today, but times when humanity asked to worship creation, rejected God's wills and ways, rejected God's will for his greatest creation, humanity, and looked at the world simply as, what can it do for me? Not how can I serve my God. And like all sins, all rebellion of God, there are consequences, consequences to this rebellion. Floating islands of plastic in the Pacific, dead fish in the ocean, smog. That Tim Hortons cup that you found in your garden this morning that somebody threw over the fence because they couldn't be bothered to put it in the garbage. All a result of something that is bigger and broken in man. Now, yes, this is a sermon. Now, is there a gospel to be had for our world? We often think about the sinful world in sermons. We always talk about it. We, see, we talk about sinful world, but how often do we include beyond us into the very nature of dirt and plants and creation itself? Can creation be restored? Can we be restored? Can the environment be saved? Or will humanity perish in its own filth? Will Wally be all that's left? Now, as in every other sermon you're going to hear from this pulpit, the answer is the same. For me, the reality is that the healing of the environment is a result and will be a result, ultimately, of people coming back to Christ. 
We are in an election, ironically, where leaders are presenting themselves as the savior of our nation. They are saying, at least in their own way, and admitting in their own way, that our nation and our country needs a savior. And they're right in that, only they're looking in the wrong places. We need a savior. And God, in his mercy and grace, has already given us what we need. When he sent his son Christ into the world to redeem us and die on the cross for our sins and to rise again for our salvation, who sent his Holy Spirit to guide us in faith and empower us so that we can be his servants renewed once again, even in this fallen world. There is hope for our world. God created a fantastic world, able to heal itself, and he has placed us in this world with wisdom and skills and faith to be agents of healing and growth in this world. So often we hear people bemoaning, if only we could go back you know, to the 50s or the 40s. But that's not how Christians need to look at it. How can we make it better than that? How can we work to make things more beautiful, more wonderful. Why? Because we want to offer, even in this fallen world, creation as part of our worship and thanksgiving to God for giving us new life in Christ by the power of Easter. Dear friends in Christ, we don't know when the Lord will come at the end of the age. We know for sure that we've kind of messed things up. We also know the power of the cross and the victory of the Savior. We know that God took sin seriously because he sent Jesus to die and shed his blood for us. The world, in the end, needs to confess its sins, receive God's forgiveness, receive God's direction, and then also be challenged to step forward into a new life, which also would mean a new attitude towards the world around us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus, next Sunday is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is always about thanking the Lord for the world, thanking the Lord for the harvest, thanking the Lord for everything around us. It's a good opportunity for us to think about with Thanksgiving, this world around us. How will you thank the Lord for all his benefits to you on Thanksgiving? Yes, we will take the cup of salvation as we sing. Yes, we will worship and praise and be thankful and pray. And celebrate that God has loved us in Jesus. But maybe this year, and I challenge you, maybe one way we can say thank you to God is do something to make creation a little better. Maybe it's just picking up a little garbage along the way. God has made us new in Christ. We enjoy the blessings of salvation. Why shouldn't creation also benefit from that? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hi, Pastor Sai here. I hope this message was encouraging for you. At Riverbend Lutheran Church, our goal is to support Christians in their daily walk with God and in proclaiming the love of Christ to a lost and broken world. We're a small and inviting congregation welcoming any and all who are sinful, hurting, seeking, or simply broken. Whether you're already a Christian and are looking for a church home or you're undecided about your faith and looking for answers, you are welcome here. We have a number of programs for all ages and walks of life. 
Sunday mornings we have worship followed by educational programs for all ages. Please join us. For more information, you can visit us online at www.riverbendlutheran.com. Call us at 780-430-7382 or email me at pastor at riverbendlutheran.com. Better yet, stop in for a visit. Until then, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his peace.